Holy Spirit within me, who is from God. does not put me to shame because God's love has been poured into my heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to me. The Father sends us the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who he sent in the name of Jesus, and he teaches us all things and reminds us what Jesus has said to us. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, are beholding the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. see you. Good to see you. Why don't you stand your feet all over the room. How many guys have already been here? You were here for the sunrise service. You guys get the good seats in heaven. I'm sure of it. It's good. My name's Pastor Jim. It's my joy to welcome you today on Resurrection Sunday, the day that we celebrate uh, Jesus coming back from the grave. Such an incredible, impossible. We talked about impossibilities at the sunrise service today. How just about everything God does is just impossible. It's almost like he created nature so that he could say, I'm going to ignore the laws of it so everybody knows it's me. Jesus walking on water and blind eyes opening and loaves and fishes being mul multiplied, virgins giving birth and dead people coming back to life. It's almost like God said, I'm going to create a natural world so they know the difference between natural 
and supernatural. Today, we're celebrating the supernatural resurrection from the dead of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. At the end of the service today, we're going to give you an opportunity to, to make some decisions about where you're at with God and what's going on. But first, we're going to worship together. You'll notice that uh, the words are going to be on the center screen today or both sides? Both sides? Great. So the words will be out there. If you don't know the words, that's okay. I'm the pastor. I don't know the words either. Um, I, I've learned that fake it till you make it is almost theological. We're real close to making that a godly principle. So in a little while, I guess it's Easter Sunday, they're getting people settled. I imagine I'm going to ask you to scoot in. So if you want to do that now and kind of leave room on the outside of the seat, that's fine. If you're like, hey, you know what? I got here early so I can have the outside of the seat. Then just be prepared to let people go past you. We want to make sure every seat is full. Amen? Let's pray and then we'll worship together. Father, thanks for today. Thanks for the good things that we celebrate today, that death has no hold on the Son of God. And because of that, he's the firstborn of many sons. We all have this great opportunity, this great privilege of knowing you, being blessed by you, and, and someday ourselves, God, having the second chance forever in heaven. So thank you for eternal life that starts today. Not when we die, today. Let us have the abundant eternal life promised to us in your word. Bless us as we worship you today. You're worthy of it all, and we love you back in Jesus' name. And everybody said...
sing that again. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. And He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow.
there was no way And I see redemption Ravage the triumph of heaven in Christ Jesus our eternal life because of what you have done, Father. We thank you, thank you, thank you for Resurrection Sunday. What a great and glorious day it is. So, Father, we just pray right now for you to come and fill this room with your presence, with your love, with every good and perfect gift that you give, Father God. We give this time to you. We pray that you would be glorified in it. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Freedom Center. I'm going to have you guys go ahead and sit down because we have people looking for seats, and we don't know where we have available seats and where we don't. 
If you have seats in the middle of the aisle, we're going to ask you guys to scooch in, please. If you have open seats next to you, we're going to ask you to raise your hand so the ushers can see. If this is getting a little too packed for you and you need some air, we do have the youth auditorium that is all set up and ready to go as well. A smaller room, fewer chairs. Um, also, if you have children that you would like to take down there as well, that is available. So I believe they are checking right now. Ushers, right? You guys know where some seats are. Students gave up chairs up front as well. So super excited about what God's doing today. Just want to share our first service while sunrise service. We had 285 people attend sunrise service. So yeah, it was a little... Ah, are people going to show up? And they just kept coming and coming. And it was such a great celebration and so excited about what God's doing. But what God's gotten in mind for this service as well. We've been praying into it and we know good things are coming your way. So I pray that you guys came with expectant hearts, expecting God to do something this morning. So if you're a guest with us this morning, we welcome you. We do invite you to pull out the red card from the seat pocket in front of you if you would like to. If you could fill that out and put it in the offering basket as it passes, that would help us make a connection with you sometime this week if you would like for someone to reach out to you and just um, help you get more involved, help you find a church home, whatever it would be that we could help you do. Um, Freedom Center family, church, go ahead, pull those red cards out, give us your prayer requests, your testimonies. Let us just join in praying with you. Also, if you're watching at home this morning, traveling wherever, watching on live stream, we welcome you as well. And we just are praying right now that God would just invade your home, your car, wherever you would be. I also encourage you sitting here this morning to pull out your phone and share the service. Maybe you have loved ones that couldn't make it this morning, but they still want to be a part of a church service. This is a great way to invite them to a service without having to have them here personally. So I encourage you guys, pull those phones out, share, and um, just see what God can do just through the simple sharing of a Facebook service. So um, we are ready to receive this morning's offering. Ushers, if you would like to come forward, just want to encourage you guys, if you're a guest with us this morning, we do not ask you to participate right now. This is something for our family to do. As a part of a family, we have the responsibility and we understand it to be a part. So however you give this morning, church, we're going to pray and ask God to bless that, to multiply it. And we're just super excited about what God's doing. Because when we sow seeds, he's using it to clothe the naked and to feed the hungry. He's using it to change families, to save marriages, to just do incredible things around here. And so we are a generous people. And we are so thankful for a God that's even more generous, right? That we can never outgive him. He sent his only son for us, for every person in this room. There's no way to say thank you back. So however you give church, pull out. We're going to pray and ask God to bless it. So God, we just thank you this morning for the seeds that you have given us to sow. Father, I just pray for multiplication blessings on your sons and your daughters in this room on their businesses, on their jobs, God, whatever it would be. May you do what only you can do and multiply. Father, we thank you for blessing this church. We pray that the funds would be used just the way that you have in your um, heart, Father. That we're, there would be wisdom and insight and revelation, Father. And we just thank you for the great things that you are doing. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. 
Real quick, a couple of announcements. Check your bulletin this week for what's coming up at Freedom Center. Also, we have family pictures out in the foyer way. You go straight out. We have professional photographers that are gonna be out there. This is provided by Eco Ministries here in the church. And it's just a great way to get a family picture taken that looks phenomenal. And they will email those pictures to you. Also, we have a resource center open now, which is super cool. We have shirts, we have some books, so stop by and check out all the things that we have. And also, I think we have everybody that has a seat. I'm looking for ushers to give me a thumbs up for... Chris, are you back there? I got one of these. So, if you got a seat still, I guess, give us a hands up again. I know that many of you already did. Um, but I'm going to invite you guys to stand back up again because we're going to go back into worship for one more song. And we just know that, man, God's going to do great things this morning. And I pray if you came in not knowing what you were expecting this morning, take this song and ask God what he wants to do in your life this morning. Because he rose for us, church. He didn't rise just because it was something cool for God to do. He rose for each and every one of us in this room that we would know eternal life, that we would know healing, that we would know him, that we would know restoration, not just to him, but to the loved ones that we have. And God wants to do something amazing in each and every one of us this morning as we surrender our lives to him and let him lead. So God, we thank you this morning for the things that you have in store for today. Father, I just pray for surrendered hearts that are ready to receive all that you have for us, Father. And I just pray for your anointing that breaks the yoke to be upon this message, Father God. I pray that just the prodigal sons would come home today. The prodigal daughters would find their way to you. Father, that there would be no shame in this place. That it would be replaced with joy and gladness, Father. And I just thank you for the great things that you have in store. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you to come and invade this place. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
promise your very body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declare the grave has no claim on me to do. I think for some of us, Easter is about marshmallow chickens and bunnies and ham and the smell of grandma's house. But Easter really is about this one thing. It's, it's the greatest impossibility coming to pass because the Holy God said, do it. And there was nothing in creation, nothing under the earth, nothing in the heavens, no, nothing that could defy that order. When he said, my son has no sin on him, he died as a sacrifice for mankind. And because the, the wage of sin is death and he hasn't sinned, there is no death that's allowed to hold on to him. He defeated death, hell, and the grave and now extends a gift to mankind. So I would just say this. I will be the first to eat any chocolate bunny you stick in front of my face. I will elbow children out of my way to get the plastic egg. I will eat enough marshmallows that I smell like a Boy Scout. You know what I mean? With, with s'mores. I, I, will, I will do everything in my power to enjoy the holiday of Easter. The holiday of Easter is fun, but the revelation of Easter requires a celebration that goes beyond. Our, our neighbors should be calling the police, thinking that a riot has broken out at Freedom Center Church. Would you just come on, just put your hearts into these lines. 
this truth and let's celebrate the resurrection. Then, then came, came the, the morning. morning. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to be. Come on, come on. that there would be this, this sense of knowing, the sense of, of seeing, the sense of understanding what maybe we've never understood before. Today, it's not just a, a, a tradition. I know we have traditions that go along with this day, but it's not a tradition. It's a revelation. We, we love our traditions, but today we need a revelation. So I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds. 
I pray that everybody would be honest with themselves, God. I pray that we'd be honest with you. I pray that there would be a, a, just a divine sense of presence. Words are good, and you use words to create the universe, but what we need more than just words, we, we need some sort of an anointing, God, some sort of an authority, some sort of a revelation that comes from words, God, today. The things that I could never say, we ask you to say today, God. The, the dots that I could never connect, we ask you to connect. The things I could never know, God, we ask you to know and make known. Pray that today, Father, you'd have your way in every life, every man, every woman, every child, everybody on live stream, everybody watching this in Hawaii and New York and Ohio and just, God, family in Florida. Just We ask today, God, that you would invade our family rooms, invade this room. And when we, when we leave this encounter, may we walk away saying, I never knew what I now know. I never knew who I now know. Change us from the inside out, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Why don't you find a seat? Unless you made the mistake of coming to the altar to worship and someone stole it. <clears throat> well, we have been working for a while on today's conversation with you because we recognize that on Easter there's people that come to church, you know, infrequently. They're busy. It's not their tradition. Um, some of you are here because you have a serious drug problem. Your, your mother drug you to church this morning. You don't want to be here. You should have seen the kids at sunrise service. Like literally one kid was like, I thought, do we need to call 911? Like that, that kid hasn't moved in 30 minutes. He's just, but he was there and he had a serious drug problem. His grandma drug in the church, you know, and, and I get that. But today, you know, I, I just, I hope that we can get past, hey, last Easter we went to Billy's house and hey, the Easter before we were at grandma's and oh, that was the last Easter we had grandpa. Like, like can we just clear the slate of what Easter has been to just have a simple conversation, and really, I promise you, it's profound, but it's simple. And with open hearts, just, just ask ourselves some questions. It's funny, um, there's a guy, A.W. Tozer, he said this. He said, the most important thing a person thinks is what they think when they think about God. I'm shocked uh, sometimes as a pastor when I'm talking to people about God. They'll come in and they want me to do their wedding or they want me to do grandma's funeral or they want to, you know, just talk about their addictions or life or I just have questions about God. And it's funny how, how people speak with such great authority about a God that they know well that doesn't exist. It's, it's this thought that God is like blah, 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 and that's why I so-and-so. And so today I, want, I just want to take you on a tour of things that that just simply aren't true, that the average American, according to the Pew Research Council, says the average American, the average person in this room, I don't think there's anybody here that's well outside of average, that, that, that we believe about God that simply isn't true. You know, mankind has suffered more because of misunderstanding that question than any other question. You think about the millions that have died because someone thought they were God, or the millions that have died because they replaced God, or the millions that have died because someone said God's on our side and just went after some other group that Jesus died for because he loves them. We went after them because we hated them as mankind. It's, it's, it's strange how if I, can just, if I can just say, God bless America, at the end of every speech, it doesn't matter what I said during the speech. I'm here to tell you guys, God is real. It's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's not a Hebrew fairy tale. He's a, he's a person, and he's not like some of the things that we believe he is. As a matter of fact, some people just have him all wrong. And, and the first thing that we talk about is just this. If there is a God, it, it just, it feels like he's on the other side of this wall. I, seven and a half out of every 10 Americans 
talks to God. When, when Pew Research did their, you know, they called thousands of people and said, okay, you know, do you talk to God? Seven and a half out of ten. He said, what do you mean seven and a half? Well, seven U of M fans and one Ohio State fan <laughs> said that they talk to God. But then they said, do you ever believe that God's ever communicated back to you? Only three out of ten said yes. So four and a half out of ten say, I talk to God, but I, I couldn't couldn't tell you if he's listening. It feels like there's a wall. It feels like when I talk, it bounces off the wall, off the ceiling, off the floor, but God doesn't hear me. They asked another question. They said, how many believe God has ever punished you? Remember, seven and a half out of 10 say I talk to him. Three out of 10 say he talks back in some way. And four out of 10 say I believe God has directly punished me for my actions. Well, how many guys know that, that when a father punishes more than he speaks, there's a bad relationship? So when Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, if you're going to approach God, approach him this way. This is the way he wants to be approached. Our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So when we have what appears to be a neglectful, distant, even abusive Father, this wall is built. They spoke to God because they needed him. And he answered with punishment. Can I tell you something about this wall? This isn't God. It's not even close to God. Matter of fact, the Bible says there was a wall between mankind and God. And instead of saying, jump over it, burrow through it, dig underneath it, find a way around it, he sent his son to our side of it. When Jesus came to earth, he literally, now you say, I, I don't understand the Trinity. Man, 35 years in theology, neither do I. But I do understand this somehow because I see it in the Bible. There's God the Father, help me out, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and so we see God the Father sending God the Son to our side of the wall. He could have sat on his side of the wall and said, you know what? I warned you in the garden if you sin, Adam, Eve, and all the way down to go to you by way of the zoo. It doesn't matter what you do. You have forfeited your relationship with a holy God. But instead, a holy God who also happens to be a loving father turns to his son and says, the only way they're going to make it on our side is if you go to their side. And Jesus Christ for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus Christ as one and his only son so that whoever burrows through the wall, is that what it says? Whoever blasts the hole in the wall, whoever figures out a way around the wall, it's not what it says. Whoever believes in the one who came to this side of the wall would not perish, but would have a life that begins but never has an ending. If you thought that God was distant, you are an average American. If you thought there was a wall between your heart and his, there very well may be. But it isn't that God is the wall. It isn't that God is the obstacle. It's not that, that God has built something to protect himself from dirty mankind or, you know, mankind's in so much trouble, he'd kill us if, if, he'd, if he had more contact. That's not the case. God has done everything not to get rid of the wall, but to send a son on our side to show us the way to get to his side. We will die someday. The last survey results I saw, Pew Research, said that 10 out of every 10 Americans will die someday. Even the greater number than dentists who recommend sugarless gum for their patients who chew gum. It's universal. None of us are getting out alive. A good friend of mine, we just did his funeral two weeks ago, and, and uh, he received a terminal diagnosis, and he and his wife had this unique relationship back and forth, and I, they're just blunt. They just say it. And she was saying something about, hey, you need to and get the, and he goes, you know, I'm, I'm terminal, Right? kind of like to use this terminal diagnosis as an excuse, but it's a joke between them. She said, we're all terminal. Just do what I told you to do. <laughs> Guys, we're all going to die. We're, we're all going to 
We're all going to face eternity. And that isn't to scare you, but it's just simply the truth. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not, and someday, if you're on the wrong side, I'm not saying that. This is no turn or burn. There's no demons going to ascend from the floor and scare the little children. Okay? But I am saying this. We all know that at the end of this life, we hope there's something else. Seven and a half out of ten Americans talk to somebody somewhere. Three out of ten Americans say they heard some sort of communication come back. Four out of ten Americans believe that he's a God who punishes them but doesn't speak to them. I'm just here to tell you what the average American thinks God is. He's not. If there is a wall, he sent his son to our side of it to rescue us, to save us. So that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world. You see it up there? But that through him, we might be reconciled. We, we might know him. We might connect again as we were in the garden, restored through the cross of Christ. So if that's not the way that God is, then what would another way be? What, how, if that isn't God, then what is God? And now the box rotates, and we go to our next one. Back to the Pew Research. It shows us about the ladder. Nine out of ten Americans, you ask, you know, is there a God? Nine out of ten Americans will say yes, in one form or another, higher power, higher conscious, the force, yoga, uh, you know what I mean? Yogurt, something. There, there's there, there's a, a mother tree somewhere where blue monkey people all meditate with their tails connected. Or you know, there's, there's some avatar. There's something somewhere. But nine out of ten Americans somehow know, even though they've never seen, that there's a God. And, and in this, if you ask them, you know, do you believe then in a God? Do you believe that there's an afterlife? About the same number of people say, yeah, I, I believe there's a God and I believe that there's something, you know, I believe in energy, I believe in the God of the Bible, I believe in heaven, I believe in nirvana, I believe in the sea of forgetfulness, I believe in I, I, whatever, but I believe that there's something after this life. And then you ask them, now, if you were to die today, would you go to the good place or the bad place? Would you go to heaven or hell? And when you do that, they start to tell you about their ladder. You, you just help me out here. Are you going to heaven or not? They say yes, and I say why? And they say, I'm going to heaven because I'm a... So you know this, right? What they do is they look at this ladder and they say, okay, Nazis, Bin Laden, Ohio State fans. There it is again. I don't know how it just keeps coming up. You know? But, but then, and you got Mother Teresa and Gandhi and Nobel Prize winners. And as long as I'm not in the lower half, as long as I'm kind of, I'm, I'm no Gandhi, but, but I'm no Hitler either. So, you know, I, I hope that when God judges me, I'm not like right behind, you know, Mother Teresa, because that would suck. Because I'll look at her and go, hey, you cut in front of me. Go ahead, take, take my place. I, I, need, I need a few more Nazis in front of me before I, I get judged. But literally we do this, and we, we've done this before. We say, listen, on a scale of one to 10, being brutally honest, rate your relationship with God right now. And you know what the average person says? They say somewhere between six and eight. Why? Because they want to be on this part. Now, if they're really having a bad week, a bad month, maybe they're just really self-condemning, they'll say four. But nobody wants to say less than four. And if anybody says higher than eight, we always subtract two points for arrogance. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're a six. You think you're an eight, but you're a six. You're not. You know what I mean? So we, we want to be somewhere just above the middle because we believe that, that somehow in order to have this other life, this afterlife, this, to deserve something better than this life once this life is over with, we have to do something really good. We have to be a good person. And, and I'm here to tell you that that's terrible theology. I don't know where it came from, but man, it's almost universal, isn't it? 
You know, the, the Muslim heaven, you have to be a good Muslim. The Buddhist heaven, you have to be a good Buddhist. The Christian heaven, you have to be a good Christian. I'm just, just please hear me. There is no ladder because there's a cross. There, there doesn't, you don't save you. He saves you by his cross. He, there was a law and there was a Ten Commandments and there was a Moses and, and that's all very important and God kept us from doing too much damage to each other for a season but when in the fullness of time God sent his son, it wasn't to give us ten new commandments. It was to show us how to live the ten he'd already given us and to understand that those that we didn't live up to, we would have this beautiful understanding, this beautiful relationship, this beautiful gift that would come to us. The Bible says this, Romans chapter 5 says, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, everybody say powerless. So we can't save ourselves. It's still the right time when we were still powerless. Christ died for good people. Okay, Christ died for bad people. Christ died for all the people, for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though possibly for a good buddy, somebody might jump on a grenade, if you will. But God demonstrates his love towards us in this. And while we were still sinners, while we were at the lowest rung of our life, Jesus replaces this ladder with his cross. Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't know where we got into morality being so important, but it just seems to be more important than it should be. I, and I'm not, I'm not saying, so be immoral. <laughs> So you heard me say that, right? Somebody just elbowed their wife and said, I like this guy. You're like, no, no, it's not what I said. Hear me. But morality is not what we do to be worthy. We accept his sacrifice for us, and relationship produces behavior. I behave differently because I'm married than I did when I was single. Two chuckles and church silence, because she's right next to you, right? I don't know what he means by that. Yes, you do. I no longer live as a single person. Not because my wife has a better lawyer, not because my wife is a better shot, not because my wife knows jujitsu, but because of a relationship of love, I have modified my behavior to be pleasing towards her. She didn't make me do it. She couldn't make me do it. I am stubborn. You don't believe me? I'll argue with you all day long about how stubborn I am. So you're a nice guy. I'm a stubborn guy. When I'm right, and I'm always right, I am stubborn, right? And in this, my behavior has changed because it's affecting the one that I love. Listen. When we recognize that it isn't this ladder of my performance, it's the cross of Christ that sacrifices for us, now there's a relationship. And out of that relationship, we become like the people we hang out with, guys. I'll never forget early on in our marriage, my wife, we were laying in bed one night, and we had one of those full-motion water beds. How many guys are old enough to remember full-motion water beds? Not, not the baffles for sissies. These are, this is tidal. This is, this is there's, there's a tide that comes and goes, and, and it's always the wrong temperature. You either freeze or you broil on this thing. You never get the settings right. How many guys remember what I'm talking about? And when you got into it, the other person on the other side of the bed just kind of does a hula <laughs> until it settles in. Well, one night we're laying in bed, and, and, and there's ripples coming from her side of the bed, and I hear the sound. Honey, I said, are you okay? Yes. Honey, are you crying? No. And I literally said, honey, what's the matter? She said, I don't know. And I thought, I broke her. It, we've been married like six months and she's broken. It, I thought it would take three months. I'm really impressed that it took this long. And we talked about it. I talked to my mom about it because I don't understand women and she is one. So would you help me? She said, oh, just love her, Jim. There's, there's reasons and listen to her and love her. Hormones and love her and love her and 
hormones lover, hormones, hormones lover, hormones lover, lover, through the hormones lover, and okay, I got it. I, I'm not kidding. Six months later, I'm laying in bed in a full motion water bed next to my wife. And as she's nodding off, she hears this. <laughs> and she turns to me, Jim? Are you okay? Yeah. Are you crying? No. Jim, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. And I thought, she broke me. <laughs> Never in my life, I mean, war, military, law enforcement had I ever laid in bed when I just feel sad. <laughs> but that night I just felt sad. She held me. It's going to be okay. I'm like, I don't think it is. I don't even know what's going on. I'm not sure what I'm sad about it, but I'm a woman. <laughs> I tell you that story because some of you are falling asleep, but the other reason I tell you that story is we become like the people we hang out with. I am so much more like she is now, and she's so much more than I am now because every day for 30 years we've been together in a loving relationship. Listen to me. If you want to be better, if you want to quit the stuff you want to quit and start doing the stuff you want to do, I have never had much success with disciplining myself to, to do the things I think God really wants me to do. But this is how I get closer to God. I get closer to God. And the closer I get to God, and the more I spend time with Him, the more I love Him, the more I worship Him, the more I let Him in, the more I don't let condemnation, the more I remember it's not a ladder, it's a cross, the more I let Him pick me up when I fall, the more I get to know Him, and the more I get to know Him, the more I get to love Him. The more I get to love Him, the more I get to know Him. Before you know it, you just stop cussing. You just stop drinking. You just stop chewing. You just stop running with girls that do. You just, you just stop. And it's not because, oh, I want to run with girls that do so bad. It's because I found something more satisfying than what I found at the bottom of the bottle. I'm, when I say bottle, I, I was an alcoholic, so I'm not, I'm not saying one beer will send you to hell. I'm, I'm just, I'm, yeah, it'll send you to heaven sooner, but it won't send you to hell. That's what I'm saying. Listen to me. I'm just simply saying this. Trying to do it on your own and be a good enough person is a dead end because you'll always find somebody better. God help you when you do because you feel so bad. And you always find somebody worse. God help you do because you feel so good. And neither one's true. You're not bad. You're not good. You're loved. So if God's not a wall and if God's not a ladder, then let's ask again, then what is God? How else do we see him? Isn't this a cool effect? Don't you love this? Seamless. It took us a long time to get the electronics worked out. And then that didn't work. We just stuffed kids in it. So, You know, another way people see God is, is this. I did, like I'm standing in front of a dumpster. And behind me is all my garbage. Literally, you ask people, like, you know, what does God think of you? They're like, oh, you know. And what they do is they do that math we did a minute ago. They add up what they should have done and didn't, what they should do that, that they, they didn't, and what they shouldn't have done that they did. And they subtract three, carry the one, and they go, I'm a four. We believe, I don't know where this came from, but we believe that what God's really interested in is our trash. Um, we've, I've actually had people say, listen, I'm, I'm not ready to come to church yet. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> why is that? Too loud, too bright, too many people, not enough chairs, too happy, too much joy. You just want to be sad? Like, what, what's going on? They said, no, I'm just, I'm not good enough yet. I don't have the right clothes. <laughs> I, I, you don't know what I just did yesterday and what I plan on doing tomorrow. I just, why is it that the church and Planet Fitness are the only two places we need to get in shape before we walk into them? <laughs> what is the thinking there? As soon as I'm in shape, I'm going to the gym. It's like, well, that's convenient because you're never going to get in shape. 
And you can look in the mirror and not like what you see, or you can go to the gym where people develop muscles and lose weight and grow hair. And I'm just being optimistic. Give me a break, will you? But, but instead, of, instead of doing, you know, what we should do to get where we want to go, we just, we just, it's just easier to say, but I, I'm eating cheeseburger. I just, I'm so, I just need meatloaf. I just need, in the same way, you know, I'm just, I just feel like all God is concerned about is, is my morality. I mean, if more people believe God punishes them than speaks to them, what kind of father do they believe God is? Guys, listen to me. You walk out in the rain, you're going to get wet. That's not God's judgment. That's cause and effect. I don't pay my taxes. I go to jail. Where was God? He was with your auditor trying to get you to do the right thing. I take that back. Auditors and God don't hang out. But he was with, he was with the H&R Block guy. You know what I mean? Listen to me. It's, it's, it's very simple. There is a cause and effect. And yes, sometimes I do something wrong and bad things happen. Sometimes I do something right and good things happen. Remember, there's no ladder. And if God was interested in your garbage and that's all he wanted to see, then there's plenty of it to see. The Bible actually says this. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, you may have been coming to Easter's for a while. You might recognize the scripture. And, and I taught you something the last three years. I'm going to teach you again today. The word all, in that sense, all have sinned. What does the word all mean in the original language? It means all. So there is nobody. I'm not saying there aren't people that are more moral or less moral, better than you, worse than you. But there's no one that's innocent. Like, like if, if I blow through a stop sign and a police officer pulls me over and instead of stopping to get my ticket and pay my fine, I just stop at every stop sign, you know, go through every green light, slow down at every yellow light. I make the right turn on the right turn, the green arrow only. I do everything right. And finally, after about a 10-mile car chase, he pulls me over and goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I just, I just want, I knew I did one thing bad, so I wanted to do 10 good things before you pulled me over. Like, you're guilty of one, so it doesn't matter how many you're innocent of. Once guilty, you're guilty. Like, like all of sin and falls short of the glory of God. But, but look at, let me just ask you this. By a show of hands in church on Easter Sunday, will you guys be honest? How many be honest? Say amen. How many will hold the person next to you accountable for being honest right now? Because I didn't believe you the first time. How many have ever told a lie in your life? Can I see your hand? Okay. Now, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just lied in church on Easter Sunday in front of, right? How many of you guys have ever stolen anything? Let me see your hand. Why should I believe you? You just told me you're a liar, right? Anybody ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Have you ever worked on Saturday? Let's go through the Ten Commandments. Hear me, guys. Of course we have. So there is garbage. And let me tell you something about this garbage. The wages of this sin is death. The paycheck for my behavior is separation from the God who is life. That's true. And yes, there's a problem with garbage. Yes, there's a problem with a wall. Yes, there's a problem with works. But the solution of the problem isn't to hide my garbage. The solution of the problem is to get, try to get higher on the ladder than you are. So I deserve heaven and you deserve hell. The solution is not that somehow burrow through the wall or pretend it's not there. God, Jesus Christ, is the solution to all of these misunderstandings, all these lies. So hear me. So if, if God isn't interested in my garbage, and if God isn't a wall that I can't get past, and if God is an endless, isn't an endless ladder of good works, then the question becomes, then what is God? And this is our last one. And this one might throw you a little bit. You say, God is Mr. Frodo's front door? No. God is my grandma's cottage? No. But this is who the Bible reveals God to be. He, he's revealed to be the one who stands at this door of your heart 
and he asked permission to come in. Look, look what it says here. Paul's talking to a group of people, and, he, and he's saying to them, I, I say this prayer for you. I'm going to write it down so you know what it is. And his prayer for these people in Philippi is my prayer for you today. And this is what it says. My response <coughs> is to get down on my knees before the Father, this, this magnificent Father who parcels out all of heaven, parcels out all of earth, and I ask him to strengthen you by his Holy Spirit. Not, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on, on love, on God's love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. I want you to hear me. I don't believe anybody's here by accident today. I think miracles and coincidence and luck and faint. I think sometimes God stays anonymous, but every good and perfect gift comes from him. And maybe you're here today because grandma drug you to church. Maybe you're here because it makes your wife happy when you come. Maybe you're here today because it isn't a joking drug problem. There really is. A, I, I need someone bigger than myself to help me. The first step of the 12 in AA, as I went through those steps, I have to admit, I'm out of control. I need somebody bigger than me to restore me to sanity. So maybe you're, you're here today because it's your tradition to do so. And, and really, in your, in your heart and mind, you know, you are a Christian because you go to, to Christmas Eve and you, you go to Easter. And, and I'm, not, I'm not demeaning that, but maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're a Christian Christmas and Easter. <laughs> because a, a Christian, and just hear me, a Christian requires Christ not tradition. A Christian requires a revelation, not, not information. A Christian requires an obedience. It requires a, I'm not going to do it my way anymore, I'm going to do it your way. A Christian requires a, a journey where you, you actually walk somewhere. Listen, I, I again, all for tradition, but I, I think far more than Jesus died so we could have bunnies. Jesus died so we wear crosses on our neck. Jesus died so we could have a celebration, dress our kids up and take pictures. And all that's wonderful. We've said that a thousand times. All that's wonderful, but hear me. I think Jesus died so we could know him. I think Jesus rose from the dead so we give us hope about the resurrection power of what God has for every person, not just for his son, but for, for all of us. I believe that in this room right now, because we've prayed over every chair, empty chair that's here, I, I, when, these first, when these chairs first arrived at this church, they were wrapped in plastic, gobs of plastic, cardboard, and they were shipped so that nothing would rust, dent, or scratch. Every, every stack of like seven chairs took like an hour to undo, to throw away the stickiest cellophane wrapper ever. You just want to grab a knife. You want to grab a, you want to grab a blowtorch. You want to grab a flaming machete, but you'd ruin the chairs. But one by one, I, I just, I, it took me a whole day. I went over every chair, and as I unwrapped every chair, this is 10 years ago, as I unstacked them, I prayed for every person that would ever sit in that chair. And this was my prayer. That when the time came for God to knock at your door, you'd let him in. The chairs you're sitting in now have been prayed over by people. We had Friday night, we had a, a worship night, and we prayed over every chair. Every Sunday, we pray over every chair. I'm telling you, where you're sitting right now, it's holy ground. And I would just ask you this. If you sense that God's knocking your door, you need to let him in. You need to say yes. I am not asking you to join this church. I'm not asking you to come next Sunday. I'm not asking you to read your Bible, say your prayers, give 10% of your income. I'm not asking you to be a good person. I'm simply asking you to do this. 
Will you allow the one who knocks at your door today? Because this is no accident. The sermon, the words, I believe it's for you, for here, for now. These are not the words I spoke last year or the year before. These are the words that are here today now because you're here today now. And I believe that Jesus is knocking at your door. Would you close your eyes, please, all over this room? The house lights are coming up a little bit. I told you at the beginning of this service, those of you that were here, that there would be a time where we would be able to allow you to, to come to a place of decision concerning where you're at with God. I know that if you meet him, so many other things will happen. I know that if you get information and leave here today, you may become a more moral person. But I know that if you get a revelation of who he is today, your life will be changed. And once it's changed by Jesus, it's just so hard to unchange it. It literally makes that large of, a, of an impact to find out you're loved at that level. 2,000 years ago, God said it's time, and he sent his son to die for our sins. He lived a sinless life. He was the perfect sacrifice. Literally never did a single thing that, that was wrong, but beyond that, he defeated everything that's ever defeated you and ever defeated me. He became the champion over those things. So when he lays his life down willingly, as an animal would be sacrificed and the blood would be poured on the altar, he, as both the high priest and the sacrifice, offers himself up for the sins of mankind so that whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. It's just amazing. And I believe that right now he is the one that's not on the other side of a wall. He's not the one checking out which rung you're on on your ladder. He's not the one that's inventorying your garbage. He's the one that's knocking at your door. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. It's nice to visit God on Easter and Christmas Eve. It's nicer to have him live inside of you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to count to three today. Today, if you're like, I mean business with God, Jim, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I've been putting this off for years. Some of you seem like I never understood this, but there's something moving in my heart. Some of you walked in and started crying, and you don't even know why. But it's time. Come on, it's time. There's no accidents. You're here because of loving God. You're here by any means necessary to hear that he loves you, that Jesus died for you, rose from the dead for you, and offers to you the eternal life as a gift. Jim, I'm not right with God, but I want to be. When I come to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand all over this room. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. It's me, it's you, it's God. That's it. When I come to three, lift up your hand and say, Jim, would you just remember me? In your closing prayer today, just would you just say a prayer for me? Today's the day I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you remember me in your prayers right now? If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand when I come to three. You ready? One, without a moment's hesitation. Two, this is between you and God. doesn't matter what the person next to you thinks. This is between you and God. He's waited a long time for your response, and this is it. You ready? All over this room right now. Three, lift your hands up all over this room if that's you. Yeah, and hands are going up, and hands are going up, and hands are going up. God bless you. Put it right back down again. Once you lift it up, put it right back down. You know what's neat about this is if one person would have said, I need God today, that would have been worth all of this, wouldn't it? Worth it all. You are worth it all. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I just simply say this to those who raise their hands. Let me just pray for you now. Father, those who lifted their hands took a step of great courage. They've responded to something, but beyond that, they've responded to someone. And I pray that what has now begun with the raising of a hand would be continued to a place of just public profession, a place where they just say, you know what, I'm, I'm unashamed. If he hung naked on a cross for me, I can stand publicly for him. I ask you, God, to answer their, their, 
their earliest prayer, God, just forgive me. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll look right here if you would, please. Many raised their hands today, and I think that's the most incredible miracle we'll ever see. I think the Red Sea parts, that's fun. It's neat. Jordan River parts, that's great. Very cool. Jesus walks on water. Neat trick. Love it. But when God forgives an entire generation uh, their sins and back and back and back, I want you to know something. When I was born, the name Weekend meant something. We were educated atheists, uh, some addiction issues in our, in our family and so forth. None of my brothers uh, had children of their own, and my sisters took on different names when, when they had children, and there were no male heirs of any of theirs. So in one generation, hear me, what the name Weekend meant 53 years ago when I was born has been changed. Now today, uh, both of my sons are ministers. Um, my son's son, my grandson, who is absolutely perfect, he's, he's a little over one year old and he hasn't made a single mistake yet, you know. He, he, I'm just telling you this, what you're about to do by raising your hand and saying a prayer, it's, it's not like, hey, that's done, I can move on. No, no, no. You're literally tearing off. I just talked to my sister last night. My stepmother passed away unexpectedly yesterday, and the family was texting each other and talking a little bit, just kind of helping each other through it. And, and my, my sister at the end started to text me and just said, hey, I've traced our family lineage back to the 14th century. You, you know, we had people that lived in Plymouth, Massachusetts, that our, our grandmother, eight generations back, her nickname was Pilgrim. I'm like, really? That's, I mean, maybe we're the people that committed genocide. That's great. Thanks for sharing that with me. Um, love that. You know, and, and but I, what I'm saying is this, whatever was in all those generations, when Jim Wiegand gave his life to Jesus, he became a brand new creation. And what the name Wiegand meant before didn't matter because I, it wasn't like I gave up the name Wiegand, I just took on the name Jesus Christ. I'm his, I was, I'm a dad's son, but I'm God's son too. And I, and I take on that identity. So as we pray together, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, and this is for everybody in the room. You're like, today, you know, I didn't raise my hand because I, I didn't know what's gonna happen next. I don't want to be embarrassed. I would never embarrass, no, I'm sorry, I'd embarrass you often. I, I would never at this moment try to embarrass you publicly. This is not an embarrassing moment. This is a moment where we say, we're so glad. Welcome to the family. Isn't Jesus awesome? Don't you want more? But many people raise their hands today, and I, I'd love it if you guys would join me with them. I just want to lead this whole congregation in a prayer. And if you need to pray this prayer, then don't, don't, you know, now's your time. I didn't raise my hand. That's okay. How many guys know God sees hands, but he also sees hearts? He knows what you're saying. So close your eyes again. Let me just lead you in a simple prayer. Would you just give me that, the privilege of leading you to Jesus? Say this with me right now all over this room. Jesus, I was wrong. You're not a wall. You're not a lantern. You're not focused on my garbage. I open the door to you, and I ask you now, to forgive me, to wash away my sin, give me a fresh start, to make it like I was born all over again. I pray you'd fill me with your spirit. Teach me your word. From this day forward, I belong to you, and you belong to me. And I'll see you soon. Everybody said amen. Amen. One last thing before we go today. This is part of a series. This is week three or four, four of a series on forgiveness. We've talked about, had a friend named Kevin Ramsby who was stabbed, what was it, 38 times in his home in Detroit. 
picked up his intestines and went next door, was drug around his house, was stabbed in the neck and the face. He's a walking pile of scar tissues. Really, it's a miracle that he's alive. He stood up here and talked about what it was like to forgive the man that tried to kill him and ransacked his home for drugs, just to get some money, just to get some stuff he could sell and buy drugs. He met him face to face, and he, and he forgave him. We went from there to what it was like for us to forgive our enemies. And from there, we went to what it was like to forgive ourselves. And, and now we're talking about what it's like to be forgiven by God. But next week, everybody say next week. And this is not a commercial. It's just an invitation from a friend. Next week, we're going to have some people up here that have walked out that forgiveness. We're going to have what we call it a panel discussion, where your questions will be answered by people that have forgiven much. They've been forgiven much. They've been able to forgive much. And they love much. And they're an example. We have some people up here that have been through childhood trauma, um, spiritual neglect and abuse, uh, marriage issues, and on and on it goes. And you're going to be asking, you text in to this number, a question, well, how do you continue to forgive when it continues to break your heart? How, how did you make that decision? When do the feelings go away? Can I just kill him? Doesn't that seem easier? I mean, I just know when people start texting in all cap letters, you should just erase it. Just don't even... But next week, your questions, we're going to wrap up this series, or we might actually go another two weeks on this because there's so many good things still happening. We may not be wanting to pull the plug so soon, but next week, we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit with them about their, their walk with Christ and how being forgiven much has given them the ability to love much. And we want you to come and be a part of it with us. Next week at 9 o'clock and 11.30, if you're an early riser, we're going to have a sunrise service next Easter, but not next week. So don't, no, don't do that. So why don't you stand your feet all over this room? God bless you. Um, we do have people, <coughs> forgive me, I'm still trying to get rid of that, whose ministry is prayer. They are good at praying, and they're good at listening, and they're people I go to when I need prayer. I'm going to invite them to come forward. They're going to come stand up here in the front, maybe off to the sides a little bit. And before you go, you say, you know, that started something, but it didn't finish something. I'd really like to talk to somebody about this. I'd really like to, to tell my story or maybe get some prayer. Maybe you're, you've got a terminal diagnosis. You're going through a divorce situation or you're having a hard time forgiving yourself or something. Or I'd pray that, but God would never forgive me. for Just listen, before you leave, would you just talk to somebody that can pray with you and maybe even give you a little bit of counsel to get you through it? These are elders, deacons. They're in-laws and outlaws. They're, they're uh, rascals and scallywags, and they love Jesus. And so... We invite you to do that. Don't forget the pictures on the way out. Uh, Dina's not here. JD, you can be Sister Bay this morning. Anything in the guest room today? I didn't. Okay, JD says no. If I'm wrong, everybody, who said there was nothing in the guest room? Thank you. Very good. Pastor JD. Yeah, it's his fault. In the meantime, hey, may God bless you and keep you. Every time you turn your face towards heaven, may you just see him smiling back at you. May he lift up his countenance on you. And may in him you find your greatest joy, your greatest life, and your greatest peace. Live long, prosper. God bless you guys. See you soon. Go get your kids. You're dismissed. Are you